You're listening to a Rock Candy podcast. Hey, Sugar, I'm Erica Michelle. I host a voice diary called Brown Sugar Diaries on the Rock Candy Network, where I spill all the tea about my daily experiences, life lessons, my journey to healing and wholeness, my life as an entrepreneur, student doctor, CEO of a nonprofit, and I give my opinion on the current happenings of the world. You see why I have this voice diary? I got a lot of stuff to talk about. Tune into Brown Sugar Diaries wherever you listen to podcasts, and let's sip on this tea. This is Sacred Tension, the podcast about the discipline of asking questions. My name is Stephen Bradford Long, and we are here on the Rock Candy Podcast Network. For more shows like this one, go to rockcandyrecordings.com. All right. Well, as always, this show is only possible because of my patrons. By going to patreon.com forward slash Stephen Bradford Long and giving just a dollar a month or five dollars a month, you get access to all kinds of extra content every week, especially my patrons only podcast, House of Heretics, in which Timothy the Christian Pastor and me, the Satanist, and I, the Satanist, have uh, conversations about everything from politics to blasphemy to uh, Trump to religion. We talk about all sorts of things under the sun. I also tell traumatizing stories about goats and dumpsters at work. It's a long story. You have to subscribe (laughs) to hear that one in particular. But I am relying on my patrons now more than ever because I am working less and I'm not teaching yoga at all. So that means that I am counting on my patrons now more than I ever have. So if you are able to join their number, I would enormously appreciate it. Every little bit helps. However, you might not be able to. I understand that times are rough. The economy is trash right now. So if you're just not able to give, I completely understand, and I really need you to first and foremost take care of yourself. There are other ways to support the show. The simplest way is to just subscribe on an app. doesn't matter where you are listening. Just subscribe. That tells our digital overlords that my show is worth sharing with other people. Also, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. That is enormously helpful. So we do have a review on Apple Podcasts that I will read right now. This is from Devi Dev, and he says, Satanic hard-on. <laughs> <laughs> I love this show. Stephen has a great voice and wonderful perspectives that I thoroughly enjoy listening to. He has interesting guests and fun topics, and it's a perfect podcast for Satanists, pagans, non-theists, atheists, agnostics, witches, heathens, left-hand path followers and admirers, and the non-religious. Even Christians and the curious should give it a listen, as they may even find out how non-threatening and empathetic Satanism really is. I discovered I discovered Stephen when he was a guest on my other favorite Satanic podcast, Black Mass Appeal, and I've been a Sacred Tension fan ever since. I look forward to this show every week. Hail Satan. Well, that is a very, very sweet review, and if you leave a five-star review, I will read it on the show. Also, I will read one-star reviews if someone leaves one. So that will be exciting if that ever happens. <laughs> all right. Well, with all of that out of the way, I am happy to welcome the iconic Shiva Honey back to the show. Shiva, how are you? Oh, I'm so glad to be here. And iconic. Wow, that's cool. You are. <laughs> you are iconic. <laughs> you, that's my cat in the background i don't know if she agrees or disagrees but i'm, I'm she's sh- over here too i'm sure she does <laughs> so yeah so i'm uh, i'm a bit stressed i'm i'm coming down from a massive endorphin rush because so i had two episodes today 
Uh-huh. So I, I interviewed Simon Widdup, um, who is like a satanic poet, earlier today. Oh, cool. And then I had a few hours off. Yeah, so he his episode would have come out last week. Or maybe I'll sw- switch it up and maybe he'll be the week after. I don't know yet. But all that aside, so I went for a nice long run in between interviews. And, you know, I've been running up in the mountains for years. Mm-hmm. For years and years up in up in the Appalachian Mountains. So, you know, you encounter all kinds of stuff up there. But I this time accidentally ran onto this terrifying old man's property. Oh, no. And I was convinced this man was going to fucking kill me. Like <laughs> it was it was <laughs> terrifying. And he chased me down oh in God. his pickup truck. With his dogs. Oh my god! Oh my god! And you escaped. Luckily. And I, well, well, no, I mean, I stopped and talked to him. Oh. Okay. And he was like, "Where did you come from?" I'm, I'm like, "Sorry." He says, "Where did you come from?" And I'm like, "Oh, well, I, I just came from the road. I was in a parent. I was just going where my iPhone was telling me to, and I right. thought I was on the right trail, but I wasn't. And I was apparently on his property, and he was super fucking pissed at me. Jeez. And uh, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, sir. It will never happen again. I had no idea. I was, uh-huh. you know, this is just where, you know, lots of runners in the area have told me to go to try this trail, and I thought I was on the right trail. But apparently I wasn't, and I'm so sorry. These old people up in the mountains, Jesus Christ, you don't fucking cross them. Like, I've had. That's what I've heard. So I've never been in the mountains, though. So I'm fascinated. Tell me more. Tell me more. Oh my God. You do not cross these people. They can kill you. (laughs) But. (laughs) So, anyway, so that was my afternoon. It was very stressful. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And am I going to have to be running away from, from like. A horde of dogs, hunting dogs. Like, yeah, this sounds like the start of a like a really good horror film. It really you know? does, like <laughs> the most dangerous game or something. So, yeah. if so, I'm if if you know if I sound like I have a bit more adrenaline in my bloodstream right now, it's because I do. So, hi, how are you? I'm glad you're here. We're here I'm so to, happy to be here. <laughs> we're we're here to talk about tarot. If I can come yeah. down for my. Uh, We'll do some breathing. Like we'll we'll do some deep breathing. <laughs> right. So, um, you have a new project coming out. Tell us about it. Yes, I do. So, um, I spent most of the year. My year has been, you know, turned on its head. As many people's year has been turned on its head for obvious reasons. COVID. You know, the the insanity that's happening politically in our country. Everything else. So, I um, I started out this year with finishing up the book my book the devil's tome and then i had planned to go on tour with satanic planet and my own band serpentina in march and like i think a little bit of april and of course that got canceled so i ended up spending you know the first month or two of covid sending out like these huge book orders that i had that that uh, i had from the, the devil's tome campaign and then i started thinking like Maybe I should just start doing, you know, continue this cycle of the devil's tome Mm. and, um, you know, make something else that's related and and cool. So I came up with this idea for the devil's deck, uh, which is, I call it a satanic ritual deck. I haven't really found, I did a little bit of research. I haven't really found anything else that's quite the same. If uh, it's kind of like an oracle deck, but for Satanists. That's awesome. That's amazing. It's like a 30, it's a 30 card deck that that is a companion piece to the devil's tome, although you can use it completely separately. So it's got 17 of what I call ceremony cards that have rituals directly associated with them. So for that, you'd use, you know, there'll be a booklet that comes with it that kind of explains for each card, regardless of what type it is, just some thought exercises and some things to focus on when you pull it. And then for those 17 ceremony cards, they'll correspond with rituals in the devil's tome. Then I've got these 13 illumination cards that are more, they're more just kind of like, you know, ideas to ponder if you choose the card, um, internal work. We talked about this um, last time we spoke, but just that that internal satanic journey, like kind of prompts to encourage that internal work as a Satanist. So Mm. those have themes like, you know, forgiveness, justice, Lucian's actually working on the card for justice right now. 
anger, generosity, like things just around different different concepts to ponder and maybe focus your energy on for like a week or a day or whenever, yeah. you know, you pull it. So I I started conceptualizing that in the spring and then it's finally kind of coming into fruition now. And uh, fine, I'm just wrapping up the design of the project and I just released a Indiegogo, a crowdfunding campaign to to fund the printing of it. So I'm super excited. I've been spending the last couple months, I've been super nervous. I wasn't sure if anybody would understand what it was. Or, or I used to get bullied in the satanic community for doing tarot. Uh, and now it seems like it's uh, it's much more accepted. Just it's like caught on. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I love tarot. I, I absolutely love it. And there was actually a question <clears throat> from one of my listeners for my Ask Me Anything episode that uh-huh. I did three weeks ago or two weeks ago. But I thought that I would put the question to you because yeah. you also do a lot of of stuff with tarot and meditation and ritual and so on. So this was a question from Ryan. He asked, what are your thoughts on members of TST who do things such as tarot? I understand that there may be some kind of aesthetic novelty and personalized ritual going on, but at its roots, tarot is just non-scientific and supernatural. It's the same as a dowsing pendulum or an Ouija board, in my view. And I would only ever do those things for the fun of it, but when I see members with tarot, they seem to be much more serious about it than just a party game. And um, so he's right. I do see it as much more serious than yeah. a party game. <laughs> Correct. But for me, it is it is purely psychological. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm I'm wondering how you would answer that question. Yeah, same, totally same. So just to give you some background too on on tarot, my relationship with tarot, I started practicing tarot, reading it for myself as a big, a big element of my ritual practice, even before I became a member of TST. So I started, you know, over 10 years ago, really just kind of like drawing a card and like incorporating that into my own the understanding of kind of like what was happening in my life, my own internal investigations as I was processing a lot of trauma and trying to move out of like bad situations and that sort of thing. And um, from that point, I, you know, continued practicing alone. And then I started actually, the way I got able, I was able to leave my corporate job a couple of years ago in part was because I started, I have another like business where I do tarot and I, I do like more middle of the road, witchy products and stuff like that. So I got that off the ground and I started just reading for people professionally. And, uh, it was, that's the thing. Like I always have, whenever I read for somebody, I have to give them the spiel of like, you know, I'm not a medium. I don't speak to the dead. I don't, I don't, you know, this isn't a supernatural tool, which I think a lot of people want it to be. And I think that just like Satanism and ritual tarot has been given a lot of baggage, you know, and I have to kind of explain like the way that I use it is a tool of empowerment. So just like you would use a ritual or you would, you know, the tarot itself is a is a language that includes lots of um, archetypes. It includes lessons. It includes just big ideas. Again, kind of like the deck that I've created for this self-introspection and guidance. And that's the way that I use it. So I don't use it like as a turban psychic saying that, you know, you're going to marry somebody that is six foot five with dark hair and (laughs) you are going to die on May 2nd, you know, 2041 or something. I use it as a way to kind of, to, when I speak with somebody or speak to myself, it's a way to kind of um, go a little bit deeper than we typically do to understand our own psyche and, and in essence, heal ourselves and also give direction. So for me, it's a tool to just understand myself better, to uncover some things that I may be consciously avoiding, to, uh, you know, a lot of the experience I've had, I've probably read over a thousand people professionally. And you know, everybody really has the same issues. And it's a way for me to be able to kind of open people up to their own empowerment and understand that they have options and, and kind of through the cards, give them permission to ask questions that they might not have consciously asked before. And a lot of times just leave toxic situations and make big changes in their life. So it's a tool of transition and understanding and freedom and liberation in my mind. Um, you know, there's there's lessons to be learned. There's poetry to be found. There's For me, there's no talking to the spirits or anything like that it's just um a tool for reflection and liberation in a lot of ways i completely agree with that and you know i use tarot every night as a prompt for journaling i find it incredibly helpful Mm -hmm. 
for journaling. And so I draw a single card every night <clears throat> to kind of be the closing ritual for the day. So I, I have an evening office. I have a morning office and an evening office. And my mm-hmm. evening office and ends with drawing a tarot card and some reflection on it. And then it it is kind of a card to frame the the next day. Mm-hmm. So it it's something to return to or meditate on as I go through the following day. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as I, I've done it for several years now, and wh- one thing that I think is so helpful about tarot is how non-judgmental and impersonal it is because it's cards, right? And so it feels mm-hmm. like an incredibly safe space to maybe go to some very difficult places because it there isn't a person on the other side of those cards to judge mm-hmm. you. It's it's just cards and it's random, right? And so that there's there's kind of this disarming impersonal level to it that can for that for me makes it feel more safe. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, definitely. And it, and there's stories to be told too. So it's just it's there's such a depth to it. I think if you appreciate it outside of like the superficial sort of again the baggage that that comes with the cards. If you just like you would, again, discard the satanic panic or, you know, ideas about ritual having to be a certain way. If you're able to discard, I think, the tarot, the myths about tarot the same way you do those things, then you can really you can open yourself up to what I think is like a really sort of beautiful, elegant, interesting tool that you can use to understand your own experience more and to help, you know, inspire inspire you and you know provide you answers from inside of yourself that you might might not be so readily available you know on the top of mind so yeah definitely and um you know i i read a quote somewhere i forget who said this i think it was some blogger i actually think it was a christian blogger he said the tarot is so genius because it it basically sums up pretty much the totality of like universal human experience yes exactly (laughs) in a deck that can fit in the palm of your hand like Mm -hmm. when you really think about it that these are these images kind of sum up universal human experience like we all know heartbreak we all know what Mm -hmm. we we all have seen or experienced poverty we all have seen wealth we have you know there we all know mental anguish betrayal delusions you know it it's the the images in the tarot and the stories that they tell are universal and it's just an incredible invention for all of that to fit in a 78 card deck if it's a traditional rider weight mm-hmm. a traditional 78 card deck that can fit in the palm of your hand i mean it's just simply an incredibly it's just an incredible achievement of like human insight and imagination. Yes, absolutely. I think it's it's amazing, and it's. Uh, I feel I'm so happy that we have that tool to work with, and I'm so glad that people that Satanists now are, are opening themselves up to non-theistic Satanists specifically, opening themselves up to exploring this because I, just like ritual, I think there there are some really interesting benefits from you know playing with the deck and opening yourself up to it. And uh, I think that it would be a shame if if we just kind of, uh, you know, discard it because of, again, that baggage that yeah. it's had all this time. You know, I think it could be a very satanic tool. And eventually I do want to design a full tarot deck, but I think it'll it'll take a couple of years because that's a lot of work. But, that is a um, ton of work, for sure. Yeah, the reason, the reason this one is, like, relatively quickly, quick to produce is because I'm using a lot of the artwork from The Devil's Tome. Plus, you know, I've... Um, brought on Lucian and Alexander again to design a couple cards and then I'm actually going to be working on a couple too so it's a lot easier than (laughs) starting from scratch because with the with the full deck you know you've got you also have that you know hundreds of years of history and symbolism that's it depends on what uh, you know what avenue you take to kind of to create illustrations for the deck but there's just so much to incorporate potentially into cards that it's a it's a true it's a lot to uh, it's a lot to put onto a project, but there was something that you just said there, where you said something like, "I'm so glad that you know non-theistic Satanists are mm-hmm. finally realizing that they're able to do this." And you know, one of the I feel like one of my personal agendas is to help 
people understand that things that they thought were the sole domain of theism or supernaturalism or just religion in general, um, that they can actually lay claim to, lay claim to. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there are so many things about religious experience and, and mystical experience that I actually think are really amazing and wonderful. And it makes me sad that when someone becomes a non-theist or an agnostic, that they feel like they have to give those things up, you know, like um, altered states of consciousness. Sure. Or ritual or tarot or, you know, they're just all of these different things that people, I think, feel like they have to get rid of if they become an atheist. And that's mm-hmm. just not true. You know, it's mm-hmm. that's like saying, well, you know, I don't believe in Christian marriage anymore, so now I have to give up orgasm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's right. Well, it's ridiculous. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I don't believe in, in Christian marriage anymore or I don't believe that, you know sex outside of marriage is is immoral anymore well now i have to give up and give up orgasm i mean it's kind of that level of backwards it's like no mystical experience meditation ritual these are universal things that we can all enjoy regardless of what we believe yeah i agree i think and I, i was just reflecting on my own life you know when i was christian for a long time and i think the most mystical i've had the most mystical experiences and the most just like synchronicity oriented or, or kind of amazing, strange, kind of explicable, but just, you know, interesting experiences since I've become a Satanist. And, you know, mm. I think that, that that is because as a Satanist, it's not, you know, it's not like out in the mist somewhere, something strange happening in the universe necessarily. I'm just so much more tuned into like what I need and what I want. And I'm, I'm taking the steps because of tools. I'll say like because of tarot or because of like my ritual practice, because I'm checking in myself with myself on a constant basis. I'm consciously and subconsciously making choices to like make all this quote unquote magic happen and, and have all these amazing experiences and, you know, seeking out these people that I've always wanted in my life. And I'm able to do the work that I've always wanted to do. It's, you know, where other people would say, you know, wow, it's a real miracle and God's really intervened here. It's For me, it's like I'm having, the, you know, similar, I think, maybe experiences in terms of like encountering these these situations. But it's because I've opened myself up to the mystical satanic experience and I've opened myself up to myself in a way that I'd never been able to do before, you know. So. Right. Right. And um Oh, there was just there was a thought I just had, but then the cat started yowling outside the door, <laughs> and I completely forgot what it was. If it comes back, then I will bring it up again. But okay, it's, excellent. It's probably gone. Um, <laughs> How are your cats, by the way? How many cats do you have? I have six cats. Yes. Um, <laughs> we we got the latest, the newest additions are a bonded pair of kittens. Litter, litter mates who um two girls and we got them in june i got them the week of my birthday and the, we brought them home and then discovered that they had horrible parasites and oh, were no. like on death's door and we spent a, like about a thousand dollars trying to save them oh, um, my goodness. but they pulled through and they're alive we also got two rats we have two pet oh, rats nice. now and the cats <laughs> love them and we also have a tarantula. <laughs> Hold on. The cat is yowling. So let me try it. Let okay, me open sure. the door real fast. <laughs> Okie dokie. So, okay. Now, so I remember what I was going to bring up. Oh, um, yeah. So in your book, you have this amazing line, which is, remember, you are the magic. Yeah. I fucking love that. And I think that, I think it, that's a very satanic Um, Mm -hmm. Not only is it satanic, I think it's probably the source of a lot of experiences of magic, even if people externalize it, you know, even Mm -hmm. in in my personal philosophy, you know, when people experience supernatural entities or deities or what have you, what they're Mm -hmm. actually encountering is... um, is themselves in some way some something inside yeah. of something inside of them i i love this reframing of magic and ritual as kind of reencountering deeper parts of yourself <laughs> if you will and and i don't even mean this in like an jungian archetypal sense like i don't 
I don't know if that's it, but I do think that the human mind is way bigger and way more complicated and way more weird in that a lot of religious experience comes from us and Mm -hmm. we can deliberately tap into it. You know, we can we can deliberately get into that state and encounter other parts of our mind. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so that phrase, remember, you are the magic is um, I don't know. It it's helpful for me in my own practice. Well, thank you. I mean, that's that's kind of like the key to everything. That's kind of like my philosophy, maybe. <laughs> I feel like that's mm. the skeleton key. You know, that goes back to what I was talking about with, um, you know, being able to have these mystical experiences and not needing all of the all of everything else that surrounds these things, you know, and to, to be able to embrace it as a Satanist. I think that once we're able to, like, consciously realize that we are in control to, you know, a certain degree, but we, we at least have control over, you know, what we do with our time, how we invest our energy. We have control over understanding our desires. Like those are, to me, like you can make such better decisions and have, you can be so much more in tune with yourself. I mean, I I think too, we live in a culture and, you know, that just disregards a lot of those things, even though, you know, and I speak from the United States American sort of perspective, but, and I'm probably just going off again, I'm just kind of thinking out loud, but like, there's this, there's this sense of duty and um, just kind of like keep on going uh, centered around capitalism. And I think our country as a whole, I think that like, there's of course these ideas of individualism and and liberty and freedom, but I, I don't think, you know, I, if we hadn't didn't know already that those things didn't quite work the way that we thought <laughs> in school, I think people are realizing it now. There's just the way that the our economy is structured, the way that like we're indoctrinated as kids uh, through religion and other things. We've built up all these walls to keep ourselves from understanding our own power, and to keep to keep us from um just like considering change and and making hard decisions and and making decisions based around what our needs are. And I think that once we're able to kind of pull back some of those layers, and I think you do that through, you know, engaging in ritual and like using different tools, you know, sort of mystical tools, then you are in a place where you're kind of left bare and you understand, you know, what's making you happy, what's making you unhappy. Um, You know, maybe you're uncovering some of these, some habits or things that you grew up with that have been harmful for you that you need to separate from. Maybe you're discovering, you know, the root of where your pleasure comes from. It just, to me, that just idea that like when you're able to tune into yourself more and give yourself that time, that mental space and clarity, that inquisitive sort of, that inquisitive journey, then so much is, can be revealed and, and your life can really change, I think, in like a, a cool way. I feel like I sound like a new age, uh, like Nexium person right now. <laughs> I <just> love. <laughs> you know I, mean? I love it. Yeah, like like Dor- <laughs> Doreen. Oh, what what was her name? Doreen. Oh yeah, Virtue was that Doreen her? Virtue. You know, she that, became a crazy fundamentalist Christian. I know. Actually, that's like I just thought of that yesterday. I was like, this is the anti Doreen Virtue. You are <laughs> you are the satanic Doreen Virtue. Well, no. So so, but what you're saying is really important because I do think that we live in a world that works against us looking inward. That yes. that works against us going up our mountain mm-hmm. and. I am pers- I you know f- not even we don't we don't even have to talk about like on the level of spiritual fulfillment or or anything mm-hmm. like that just being a a well-rounded person requires mm-hmm. some solitude and some introspection mm-hmm. but but we live in this attention economy that is capitalizing on on basically colonizing our inner space our inner totally. our inner wilds and 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 just industrializing our brain our innermost thoughts and that's that is how facebook and google are the biggest companies on the planet they they hold more wealth than there has than any single entity has in the history of humanity because mm-hmm. they are capitalizing on our innermost thoughts and our focus and and so we we do live in this world that is very deliberately working against the ability to just take a fucking walk in the woods or just have a quiet cup of tea and journal some. And and so I do feel like in this current environment, 
we need to be a bit more deliberate about it. And we do have to make it more ritualistic and more intentional, you know, Mm -hmm. because of that, because it isn't just going to happen by accident. It's like like that, that kind of introspection. It doesn't happen by accident anymore because every single second is just gobbled up. Yeah, it's just occupied. I mean, I've been thinking, too, just about when I, I, I've done a lot of global travel and I've, uh, you know, taken trips to places where you don't can't have like there's no phone cell service or anything. And you just have to get by through talking to people and you sit by yourself with a journal or a book and you have this this inner inner and external you know, journey that you're going through. And, and it's just, I find those moments so, you know, I don't even have to travel out of the country. I can travel my own backyard for that, but I find it so rare to even have those moments, you know, intentionally mm-hmm. now. And it's, uh, that used to, I was just talking to my husband yesterday, actually, because I've, I've really started thinking a lot about like internalized capitalism. I saw a cool meme on, of course, on Facebook the last day or two, just talking about that concept. And I'm really trying to restructure my own life right now. As you can imagine, like everybody, I've had like, everything's been very precarious, <laughs> you know, materially and everything else. It's the, oh, yeah. for a long time, but since the pandemic happened, especially, and I've been like totally overworking and focused on, you know, a lot of stuff that's helpful somewhat, but also probably not as helpful as having a clear mind and like feeling grounded and everything. So I'm I'm really looking into being able to create those, even for myself, who's trying to give it to other people, those opportunities for self-reflection, more, more scheduled and, and time off and opportunity to just kind of like go on those journeys again. Because that's where like a lot of the breakthroughs happen too. That's where things really start to clear up and you're able to get some clarity, you know? Until, so. you, until you start being chased by an old man in a pickup truck. Exactly, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. I yeah, was I, I was ready to have such a chill, sublime experience yeah. up on the mountain mountain in October, gorgeous October day. Like I was going up to my mountain. I was going yeah. to that inner place and then I was chased down by a by a scary old man in a pickup truck. Okay, anyway. Um so crazy. So, yeah, and and you know, we we have. I think the benefit of ritual is that it it makes going into that introspective space more deliberate in a time of social media and attention uh, and the attention economy. We have to be a bit more deliberate and maybe even a bit more theatrical. Yeah. To to signal to ourselves, this is serious. Like. I'm going to go and meditate. I'm going to go and and do this ritual and go into the go to that quiet inner space. But the theatrics of it are are like a signal to ourselves that this is important. Like I need to take this seriously. This is sacred. And um, I don't know. I I I kind of feel like personally, ritual might be more important now because of how inundated we are with companies that are constantly trying to steal our our attention. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And also with just everything that's happening in the world right now, like it's really important I think for people to be able to, you know, have that sacred time for themselves. And whether they're working on things internally or externally, just having an opportunity for reflection, self-care, planning. For me, I've had like tons of anxiety. So rituals really helped deal with that aspect of the pandemic and, and everything else that's happening in the country. It's been super important. And I was also going to say when you were mentioning, again, just finding that that space, the daily space for sacred time or ritual or whatever. Tarot is probably the most used, I guess, ritual you could say that I have or me too. it's the most accessible. I mean, it's just accessible. All you have to do is pull a card and, and sit with it for a minute. You know what I mean? And then it exactly. can just kind of live in your brain for a while. And it's quick and it, you don't have to like, you know, light all your candles and like, you know, meditate necessarily or like have a big to do about it. It's You just, don't have to bring out there. your gimp to sacrifice exactly. him. You don't have to. <laughs> so, um, how do you how, so for people who who have no experience with tarot or oracle cards at all what does your practice with tarot look like sometimes uh, the simplest practice will be just like i'm thinking of an idea and i'll ask a question and like how do i do this or, or what should i keep in mind when i'm going through this or is there something i should be focusing on and i'll shuffle the deck and just like pull a card but if I'm reading for other people or I'm doing something more substantial, I'll do like a, I usually use two decks and I have a 
deck that's just the major arcana which for those of you who don't know is a small part of the larger deck that deals specifically with like big big themes ideas life changes that sort of thing so i'll pick i'll shuffle and i'll pick one card from the major arcana then i'll do kind of like a three card past present future or i I like to call like foundational present future so just different different elements to think about when you're kind of when you're dealing with a an issue that you want to dissect a little bit more um and i'll just sit with that for a while and kind of think about what what lessons I'm, i'm being you know, maybe I should be aware of and, and where my energy should focus. I I started about two years ago, I started teaching my husband how to read as well. And we, I think we're about to start getting back into this. We used to, to pick a tarot card of the week and we would sit together on like a Sunday and then just talk about like how it would apply, how it applies to our life this week. You know what I mean? Or maybe like how we could use the wisdom from the card and what we're dealing with in the next week. And it gave us a really cool opportunity to just to connect with one another in, in a more intimate way. And to just ruminate on some of some of the bigger ideas of what we were going through and how we might be able to support each other and support ourselves, you know, uh, as the week goes on. So mm, that that's cool. lovely. Yeah, that's awesome. You also have some music and I downloaded some of it and it is gorgeous. It's Thank like you. my kind of music. It's like spooky and atmospheric and very meditative. So talk about your music some and, and what are you trying to accomplish with, with yeah. the music that you're, that you're writing and performing? Yeah. So last year around this time, I had my first campaign, my crowdfunding campaign, which was for the Devil's Tome. And as part of that campaign, I had put down that I would, if we hit the stretch, our stretch goal, we, I would release some music with Lucian that was satanic ritual music. So that idea had been ruminating in my brain for a while because I didn't, you know, there's like satanic artists and that sort of thing, but none of them were quite doing what I was hoping to kind of tackle, I guess. And Lucian and I had been collaborating for a bit on music, a little bit of live music for some performances we were doing. We were DJing together and he has quite a bit of musical history and experience. So I talked to him about it and he's like, sure, let's do it. And things got derailed for a bit. But um, the main idea is that we are going to produce a record that's kind of the, I would say, like the completion of the Devil's Tome cycle. So you've got the Devil's Tome book, the deck, and the record. And the idea for the record is to come up with basically a song, at least a song for each solo ritual in the book of the Devil's Tome, but perhaps more. So um, a couple weeks ago, we released the stretch goal rewards to those Indiegogo backers, which we we uh, set up a file and stuff and sent everybody who had supported the campaign to get. And the music's not currently on any like file sharing, uh, you know, it's not on like Apple Music or anything else. It's not for sale, but you can probably find it through talking to me, to some of your satanic friends. So it was kind of an interesting experiment <laughs> to just like send it. I kind of liked it to send it out to, uh, you know, just a discreet amount of people and have it be kind of like the secret thing. But it's it's kind of like the sketches of the bigger project that will come out next year, which will be like a full record that will correspond just as the deck corresponds to the devil's tome. So I use ritual all the time in my personal practice, whether, and also when I'm doing bigger rituals as well, whether when I was doing rituals at Salem, which is where I usually am this time of year, but because of COVID, of course, I can't be at TSTHQ. But when when I'm doing ritual with groups, music is a really big part of setting the atmosphere and getting people's minds engaged into the space that we're about to work in. And when I do it for myself, it also has served as a place, you know, to get my mind in the right place, but it also can be like super evocative and emotional for me, depending on what I'm working on. So the idea is to create satanic ritual music that can be used with ritual from the devil's tome or for whenever people want to use it. You know, they can listen to it for fun or they can incorporate it into their own rituals. So I'm uh, super excited to to finish that up. We've got like, I think two or three songs written so far and we've got quite a few more to go in addition to the ones that were released uh, a couple weeks ago. But we're the release that we did a couple weeks ago also was just, that was recorded live basically. And it's, uh, it's kind of a, you know, a small sampling of what we we'll be able to do once we're able to, you know, get in the studio and make it happen. But I'm super excited about it. It's it's something I've been thinking about for a couple of years and the prospect of actually working on it uh, this winter is really exciting. So that's awesome. Yeah, because it really is gorgeous and haunting and listening to it you know i i did lots of religious music i was a vocal performance major in college oh, amazing. And so yeah so i did lots of um 
church music and Renaissance and Baroque music and, and so on. And I could tell, listen, it just felt deeply religious to me. Like, oh, this is this is something that would happen in, in a satanic monastery in the Renaissance or something. <laughs> like that's that's what that's the vibe that I was getting. Like like these would be, you know, satanic nuns in a cave somewhere, like the movie Dark Waters. Yeah. Um <laughs> just, it felt deeply religious to me. So when it when you're when the music is more accessible, I do hope that everyone will go check it out because it is pretty awesome. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I just I'm so excited about it. Um I can't wait to to get it out to the masses. <laughs> now you're also doing so you're doing stuff with Satanic Planet as well. Yes. Yes, I am. I'm uh I don't know if I'm officially a member of the band yet, but I did do like <laughs> I did vocals on a couple tracks. Like we're still figuring cool. out. Everything. Okay, great. Very so, cool. but it's that stuff I'm super excited about too. Lucian sent me just a couple tracks, a couple of final master tracks for that record, and they sound like really scary and really good. Like cool. it's beyond, you know, I'm super, super excited about it. So that, and that's, that's not, I don't think so much ritual music, although they do have a track that's the unbaptism track that actually uses some of the language that Lucian uses is directly from the unbaptism ritual that I created that's in the devil's tome. So I'm like really flattered about that. And, we might do if we when we can tour. I think we're gonna do like live on baptisms. And stuff like that, that would be, be great. So for people who who might not know, <laughs> could you explain what an un, unbaptism is? Yeah. So uh, you know, it can mean different things to different people. But for a lot of folks, uh, a lot of us Satanists especially have religious baggage that we have been given over the years. And you know, a lot of us had been indoctrinated as kids when we didn't have much of a choice. A lot of us have been baptized or have had other religious ceremonies that you know, have pledged our souls and our life to a deity of some sort. And uh, a lot of us carry with us experiences that have been very harmful from our religious upbringing. So the unbaptism, um, the way I frame it, in my head at least, is that it's an opportunity for us to kind of reclaim, um, reclaim our independence from that. And it's a way for us to do kind of a self-healing to to get rid of um, in in the ritual that I talk about in the Devil's Tome. It deals with this specifically, but to to kind of sever the ties from our religious past that was damaging and uh, declare our independence as people, and to appreciate our own perfection and um, you know declare our belief in ourself, that sort of thing. So it's a way to kind of. I think reclaim your identity in some ways and it's a way to heal from religious trauma. So there are not, again, this isn't something that everybody has to do just like ritual, but some people feel compelled to be unbaptized. So, you know, I've, I've created a couple rituals for unbaptism, different chapters in TST have also created different rituals for unbaptism. And it's something that uh, folks in our community seem to enjoy quite a bit. And I find really powerful personally. Yeah, you know, like a lot of us were baptized as infants, as children, mm-hmm. and and like that was that was a ritual that we were put through without our consent, you mm-hmm. know, and so it can feel really empowering to kind of symbolically undo that that non consensual ritual, mm-hmm. and because um, <clears throat> you know when you really think about it. You know, on the one hand, it's like, well, it isn't like they, it isn't, you know, it isn't like they, they raped you or anything. Like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't, nothing happened to you. So why are you, why are you so hung up on, on a ritual? But on the other hand, ritual is really powerful mm-hmm. and it's powerful for the people around us. So like everyone in, everyone in my life or, or everyone in my family remembers when I was baptized as an infant. And it's like the memory of that ritual and the presence of that ritual mm-hmm. lives on. But it was a ritual that I didn't consent to. Right. And, and so it can feel really empowering to, to symbolically reverse that ritual and, and own your own autonomy is is how I interpret it. And I haven't I haven't been to a <clears throat> I haven't been to a public unbaptism or a or a group unbaptism, but I'm really thinking of doing one privately for myself. Yeah. Because the more I think about it, the more I think about the fact that I was as an infant put through this ritual that and you know in front of all of these people that that I didn't consent to really does in a way feel violating to me. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think to, to kind of go back to what we, I think we, we touched on earlier, it's like whether or not we realize it consciously. And again, this is something that you can cover through using more mystical means. I mean, our brains have been colonized. Like even if you don't remember yeah. the ritual itself, it's a, it's a rep, it's a symbolic representation of all the colonized, the religious indoctrination and, you know, the, our ways of thinking that we're shaped from such a young age, the beliefs about ourselves that for, for good or for ill, our beliefs about the world for good or for ill, um, often for ill, like that was, that was one of the, the big symbolic actions that kind of programmed our brains. <laughs> so yeah, definitely. Like super liberating and to, at to the, do that. And at the very least, it was one of the first, it, it, it was one of the first acts of ritual that we took part in with a community that we might not remember, but everyone else remembers. And that has like this echoing effect in our lives. Totally. You know, and and so we we really can't like underestimate the power of a ritual like that. And maybe not everyone experiences it that way. Maybe, you know, maybe there are people who are like, yeah, whatever. You know, I was confirmed in Catholic Church just like every fucking everyone else. Like, it doesn't matter. It's fine. But then there are others for whom it's like, no, this is this is a really big deal. I feel violated by right. that by that ritual. I wasn't given a say. I didn't get a chance to choose. I was committed to Christ before I had a chance to choose mm-hmm. him. And... um that that to me personally feels like a violation of my autonomy. Yeah, absolutely. This is actually one of the more contentious things that I've encountered in the satanic community too. Not not up until the last couple of weeks because I actually really um, yeah because I I posted uh, I posted for free on my website how you can unbaptize yourself because again for what I the way that I kind of view the, the year is like different seasons bring different opportunity for work. So I think of the end of the year as a time to kind of, you know, break old bonds, prepare yourself for the new year, do a lot of healing work and that sort of thing um, before the new year gets started. So I was like, all right, it's October or September or whatever it was. I'm going to post the unbaptism ritual. So everybody has access to it, especially with COVID. Like we can't get together as groups. I want people to feel like if they, they need to have that, uh, if they need to have an unbaptism, if they need to do it in their lives, like, Here's a one way you can think about it and, mm. and you can do it on your own, you know, without a ton of resources and, and hopefully have that healing experience, right? So I posted it and then I think it was on Reddit too. And people were just, I think on Twitter and Reddit, like people were just like, well, I don't need done baptism. And just like, well, that's stupid, you know, or like that sort of like feeling or, or just like, huh. wow, like I can't believe like people actually need this. How weak minded are they? So it's like the same argument against ritual or whatever in yeah. general. But I'm just like, cool, like uh, good for you. Like, Wait, and you that's know, fine. Not, <laughs> that's totally that's fine. fine. You know, <laughs> it's so interesting that people had such a response, though. That they had to like speak up and be like, well, I don't need this. Well, <laughs> like, I don't okay. need. Obviously, I don't. <laughs> don't need this and i'm like really um yeah no i i get that and to me it has to do with so back when i was very christian you know there's a foundation called the freedom from religion foundation mm-hmm. and i originally heard that name and and interpreted it in a very negative light mm-hmm. but now i look back on that phrase freedom freedom from religion and to me that means freedom from imposed religion. Mm-hmm. It does not mean the absence of religion. It means personal autonomy. Right. It means not. It means the freedom from having religion imposed, and you mm-hmm. don't. And you don't need it if you don't want it. Mm-hmm. To me, that that's really what it comes down to. We we have, you know, everyone can practice their own you know, whatever they think is best for them, we all have freedom from religion. Ideally, you know, in an ideal world, we all have freedom from religion. But for those of us who still want it, that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, different strokes for different folks, you know? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I, re- I remember listening to to an interview you did with Lucian where it's like, you know, it's like kinky sex. Like if, yeah. <laughs> you, if you need to if you need to dress up as a grasshopper and be hung upside down, like go for it. Yeah. Do your thing. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're working with our brains. Like that's what we've got. Right. Like we're working in this material world with our brains and a lot of our brains have been programmed in all these different ways. And like we just have to I don't know. I'm working on just trying to make my brain the healthiest it can be and like deprogramming some of the stuff that's harmed me over the years. So it's like, hey, 
ritual helps with that. It's it's one of the ways for me to to bring these things that I want to accomplish into reality. You know, it's good. What I hear a lot, I don't know, and maybe this is an uncharitable take, but I hear a level of offense. You, you like people almost find it offensive that we do ritual, or people almost find it offensive that we do an unbaptism. And I don't mean Christians, I mean atheists. Yeah. And I wonder I wonder where that sense assuming that's what it is that there's a tinge of offensiveness to it. I wonder where that sense of offensiveness comes from for them. Yeah, I think maybe it's just like that lack of nuance. You know, Lucian and I talk, and I talked I think quite a bit about that when we spoke uh, on his podcast too, but just that this concept of nuance it can appear in so many different ways I think in the satanic world and in the world in general. It's just Again, it's like people, you know, instead of chiseling with a with a, you know, nice light instrument, they're just like hammering away at things. And again, I think it might just be that people are just have that baggage. They just don't know, you know. They see, they hear a word, and they think one thing, and there's no changing that their minds from it. You know what I mean? And then I also think there's a sort of superiority complex that some people have, which is normal. And like that, you know, I'm I'm a better X, Y, or Z because I do this or I don't do this. And, and to me, it's just part of the human condition, maybe, that they're like that or upset about things because, you know, mm. they're the most rational or the most atheist or they are the whatever most, it is. The most rational atheist ever. <laughs> and yeah. I, I could never do it because I'm not rational. I know, mm-hmm. I know I'm not. I know that I need a certain level of enchantment in my life. And, and it makes, that makes me happy. Like I need that, that little tinge of enchantment and I need that tinge of, of mysticism in my life and symbolism. And that doesn't mean that I believe that it is objectively real, but also Mm -hmm. I'm like, like, you know, presumably this is the only fucking life we have. Like, uh, you know, assuming I don't get shot by a scary old man in a pickup truck (laughs) prematurely. I, you know, I'll probably have a, a few, you know, decades on this planet and then it's and then I'm done. And so why can't like what's wrong with enjoying ritual during that time? Like, I just don't fucking get it. What it what's wrong with enjoying non-theistic religion and ritual it just makes zero sense to me yeah for me and you know i've i've gotten over like trying to reason with people or, or argue like my reasoning comes with interviews like these like i'll tell people what i think in my book or in interviews or my writing or whatever but i'm not going to argue if somebody doesn't like to do what i do like it's yeah. just you know be free i don't know person sounds pretty if you're going to get that upset about it it just sounds like somebody's pretty unhappy with a lot of things as my mother used to always say so I don't know I just feel like you know I'm not here to like argue or to say one way is better just like this is a possible way for me like the work that I'm doing is a way I seriously was bullied like when TST first started from a couple people and I don't think they're even part of TST anymore but uh for like all of my different practices and uh actually I think none of them are part of TST anymore so well, there you go. There you but, go. <laughs> but you know, I just for me it's I just wanted to open the door because of the great experiences that I've had with these practices, like the healing that it's brought me. Again, some I have like complex PTSD. I have like a lot of trauma in my past and um, you know, I've worked really hard to try to to build myself up and like build my life uh at a distance from all that stuff. And you know, the path that I've taken has really the practices that I've I've absorbed and, and used have really helped me quite tremendously to be like a happier person and to build a life that I really enjoy. And so for me, I'm just like my mission at having received all that negative feedback initially was like, I I know that I'm I've been around TST for a while. Like I have some standing in the organization. I just I want to give people permission. I want to be the person somebody has to say that it's okay. And like I think that's that person has to be me. So I just want to give people the the opportunity to explore and to explore themselves and to explore these different practices and to know that it's okay and to know that like they're not an idiot or a bad person because they want to you know, practice a different way than somebody else and uh, that there's options out there. I mean, that's why I like TST so much is because we don't have, you know, there is nobody telling you like you have to do things this way. There exactly. aren't like, you know, there aren't standard rituals really. There aren't, um, or they're, they're not prescri- prescriptive in, in what they are. It's, there's no like, you know, hierophant at the top of the chain that's like, I'm this 
angry person that's going to go and judge you <laughs> and, and, you know, going to judge whether or not you're worthy to be in TST. It's like, no, like this is a great religion because there's so much freedom, you know, and if it, there wasn't that freedom, then TST wouldn't be what it is. So, exactly. And if, you know, and you know, there are probably some people who, for whom ritual genuinely doesn't work. Um, and you know, like, um, altered states of consciousness might not be great for, for some people or, um, certain forms of ritual might not be great for them. And, and so there's also the freedom to not practice. And that is, that is just as important as the freedom to practice. Um, both sides of that coin, both sides of that coin are necessary. And so I don't want anyone to feel belittled or less than, for practicing ritual, but I also don't want the inverse of that. I don't want anyone to feel belittled or less than or less of a Satanist because they don't have a practice. Um, it really is do what thou wilt. <laughs> that, totally. That's it. It shall be the whole of the law. That is it. That is all of it. Absolutely. Cool. Well, I think that's a great note to end on. Do you have uh, any final thoughts for my audience? Any final thoughts? Like, I'm like, hmm. Not really. I was going to say, um, you know, stay tuned for music. It'll be coming in the coming months for the uh, Devil's Deck campaign. You can go on my website or social media, and I've got links to the Indiegogo campaign. That campaign's going to run through, uh, I believe, November 1st. So the initial printing of the deck is 666 copies. I think we're at maybe like 120 or 30 so far that have been gone. So I'm super excited uh, and we'll see how many end up around at the end of the campaign. But if you're interested in getting a copy, you know, try to get it sooner than later, probably. And yeah, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. Of course. It's my pleasure. I'll, anytime. I always love talking to you. So literally anytime you want to come on, oh, just, I was just let say, me know. Oh, yeah. One more thing, too. I was going to say, I think I told you uh, privately before, but my mom heard our last interview and, you know, she's a Christian and she's become more mystical over time but she really enjoyed it so you totally are turning like christians <laughs> she, uh, like to be more appreciative of satanism like we had we had such an issue when i first became a satanist like there were t- months that i didn't talk to her and she like didn't understand where i was coming from at all but i think really that that like bridged a gap like i'm so being, glad being able to talk to you really helped her understand where i was coming from she has a copy of the book now that's She's, amazing you know, i'm so glad supportive i think so yeah so thank you for your work uh, it's my pleasure. Yeah, no, that's incredible. And and there really is this whole, I'm encountering this whole weird demographic of Christians who are either becoming Satanists or who are interested in allying themselves or, or yeah, softening towards, so cool. softening towards Satanism. And so uh, it, it's, it's a weird Venn diagram. It is not <laughs> something that I ever anticipated, but I'm glad it's happening. So it's a beautiful thing. It really is. So I'm, I'm delighted to hear that your, that your mom re- responded well to that conversation. All right. Well, that is it for this show. As always, the music is by The Jelly Rocks and 11D7. You can find them on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to music. There will be links in the show notes. Also, this show is sponsored by The Satanic Temple TV. Go to thesatanictemple.tv, and you will get your first month free by using my promo code at checkout, SACREDTENSION, all caps, no space. They have all kinds of amazing content, rituals feature films, documentaries, live streams, talk shows, all kinds of stuff on there. So definitely take advantage of that. This show is written, produced, and edited by me, Stephen Bradford Long, and it is a production of Rock Candy Media. As always, hail Satan, and thanks for listening. I'm a young
Christmas breakdown. Bringing Christmas Eve back to Halloween town. I expend a lot of energy hiding all this crisis behind my eyes. That's why I'm traveling back in the black holes. Neil deGrasse Tyson. Shame. 